2: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: All right, listeners, let's get real about entrepreneurship. If you're in the game of turning those big business dreams into actual money-making realities, Create and Cultivate Insiders needs to be on your radar. It offers you all the tools and connections you need to move the needle for your business by focusing on three pillars, content, community, and perks. Content. We've got these laser-focused guides, templates, and videos that will help answer your big questions. It's an on-demand library of content across budgeting, raising money, growing your audience, finding new leads, scaling revenue, growing and managing a team, and so much more. They aren't just cool add-ons. Think of them as your business secret sauce. You know that daunting gap between, I have a cool idea, and look at my flourishing empire? Yeah, these tools are your bridge to get there. Community. Slide into our Slack channels. It's not just gifts and good morning texts. It's where the magic happens in one place. And our exclusive member directory, it's not LinkedIn 2.0. It's the power list you didn't know you needed. We're talking mentors who've been there, collaborators who get it, and maybe a future business partner or two. Perks. Being an insider isn't just about getting swanky event tickets and front row seats, though... That's definitely part of the deal. It also includes a complimentary ticket, 20% off events and fast tracked entry. It's tapping into the pulse of what's next, ensuring your business doesn't just thrive, but leads. So let's break it down. You start with a vision, sprinkle in the right tools, stir in some killer community and bam, you're not just playing the game, you're changing it. Dive in at creekcultivatecom slash insiders where aspiration gets put into action. Welcome to Work Party, the podcast where we are throwing out the rulebook and bringing you real talk and hot takes on what is happening in the working world right now, because life moves fast. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that the only constant is change. And we can't pretend everything is status quo. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and it's Hot Take Time, where we ask guests to let us in on a fresh POV that they feel super passionate about. From spicy money talk to unexpected relationship advice, love them or hate them, agree or disagree, these piping hot and sometimes controversial takes will get you thinking. So let's get into it. After quitting her corporate job at a Fortune 500 company, the largest healthcare company in the U.S., live on Periscope in front of 10,000 viewers, Nicole Walters hasn't looked back since. She took a leap of faith and traded in her six-figure job to pursue a greater purpose, and she certainly found it. In just six months, she transformed her side hustle as a business strategist and consultant into a thriving business called Inherit Learning Company that now turns millions of dollars in profit. Her expertise has propelled businesses from barely surviving to thriving, and that same spirit is shared with her 240,000 followers on social media with posts about her career and family life. Her namesake podcasts and speaking engagements are packed with actionable insights and purpose-driven inspiration. Nicole's wisdom reaches millions, offering a roadmap to intentional, profitable, and purposeful living. And today she's here to talk about money and getting paid. So welcome. Oh,
3: thank you for having me. It's such an amazing intro. I'm like, you should before any speaking gig, like literally before I enter the room at home, like I need you to do that. We because can record amazing. that and
1: you can play that every time. I, it will be a thing. I
3: will pick up my kids at Carpool and yes. this will be the announcement blaring out of the window.
1: <laughs> Your mom's here. Your mom's I love that so much. Well, I'm so excited to have you and you have such a refreshing hot take. So can you tell us what your hot take is?
3: Yes. It's funny because you would think it'd be a no brainer. But my hot take is you should never, ever work for free.
1: Okay. So I love this so much because it is, you're right, should be so obvious. Mm -hmm. But I think so many of us do it, myself included sometimes. Mm -hmm. So this is a topic where I think we want to kind of dive into the nuances of it. So when did this come to light for you? Have you always been this way? Have you done some unpaid gig? Like where did this like switch turn? Sure, well, I know that
3: first people hear it and it's a smidge cringy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where it's like, well, what do you mean? Like, I can't do charity. I can't do nonprofit. I can't. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. I always like to just throw that out there. It's that we all have gifts. We all have skills and companies all have budgets. (laughs) So you absolutely people can cut you a check and they can run you that money. I have always been like this because I come from corporate. So I know what these budgets look like.
1: I love that because I have grown up in the era of free internships. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I yes. am 90 percent positive. I mean, I worked for a massive company Nast, and I literally was working like 50 hour weeks yes. and I was like 19. I don't know. Like, and grateful away. and grateful. And like, I was like, give me more, please. <laughs> yes, please. I want to prove myself. <laughs> yes, please, another. Yes. Yeah. No, so bad. And like in New York, where I was so broke, you know, like mm-hmm. I was like if anyone needed money, I was like, I need a job that I pays. literally can't. Yep. But I was like, oh my God, I'm like, what an in the opportunity. Door. I'm
3: learning so much. Like, and like, oh my God, I applied I asked for this. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I applied for this. So it was competitive. My I have a 21-year-old daughter and she has an internship this year with one of the big five accounting firms. Or maybe it's big four now. I think one of them went down. But <laughs> yeah, I know it's like <laughs> classic. But no. she is getting paid twenty six dollars an hour. Oh my gosh. As an intern. I love. That. No benefits. Oh no, Boo-hoo. But she's making that in the south where the cost of living, like, I mean, she's cleaning it's amazing. up. Oh, it's so nice. It's mm-hmm. so nice.
1: And I, I do feel like it's funny because even where I am now, like, I, I will look at deals and you know people will be like, oh, I'll do it for all equity or so, something mm-hmm. like that, and I'm like, no, 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 there has to be money involved because be. I do think it changes the effort level Mm -hmm. and like the investment in the work itself. I love that. And that is actually the phrasing I love to use with my
3: clients is I'm always telling them instead of thinking of being paid, if you are feeling cringy about it, call it a commitment fee you want to make sure that you are you know you're fully committed mm. you know you're going to show up you know you're going to show out and you're not going to do less i have friends and clients and i mean even both of us right like if i want to do it i'm going to do it and it's going to be my best work it doesn't matter what i'm being paid because that's my own integrity so shouldn't i be paid properly i always i always joke i say Look, if you just want to do it for free because you think that's going to exempt you from having to do your best work and they can't complain about it, nobody wants your crap work for free either. So, yeah. get, so do your best and get paid in full.
1: I love that so much. But are there moments, would you say, Mm -hmm. where there's something that's just so big and so major and so life-changing that you're like, I got to do this for free? Oh, so
3: here's the big shift, right? You should always go into every opportunity knowing how you're going to get paid, either on the front end or the back end. Mm. So you better believe I've had opportunities where I may have been paid less and they were kind of loss leader style, where I walked in there knowing, okay, look, it's my first go of it. I know what my going rate is. they don't have budget for it, but every single person in that audience is going to convert into a client or Mm. there is a full tour on the back end here. Or maybe I'm trying to get uh, certain points to hit on my bottom line so I'm able to sell myself as a package or a product in the future. So yeah, there are times where I've worked for maybe less, you know, but I've always gone in with a strategy intentionally to know what I need to capture in order to be able to get paid.
1: Absolutely. And I also think there is things besides money that are extremely valuable in certain situations. So I know that there's been times where, you know, we've offered like on the Creighton Coldplay side, like maybe we couldn't pay someone like a full fee or whatever, but we're like, hey, we have a newsletter list with 500,000 people. That's right. What do you need? What can we do here to help you out? Or even mentorship
3: or relationships, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, it's so great to get next to this person or have their name or be on their stage, but then you don't follow up. You don't talk to them because you're too scared. You don't get their contact information. You don't know enough about them that when you get there, you can even engage and see where the next deal's going. So I always tell uh, all of my clients, when you go into an opportunity that you know, maybe for quote unquote exposure, go in there with what I like to call your five point dossier. You should do your research on every single person that's there and know five different points about them. What are they doing next? Who are they partnered with? What is their mission statement? What are their projects? And then what is it that you want from them? And what can you offer? If you know those things,
1: then you will get something out of it that will get you paid no matter what. No, I love that. So it's Mm -hmm. the front end and the back end concept of it. So you get an email, and I think this is like a really important nuance, like that asks you to do something for free from a brand. I think sometimes people are like, well, I'm just going to full ignore because this is so weird. I don't want to go back and say like, I'm only doing this if you pay me. And then they're going to think I'm this. But it actually, what is your advice for someone to respond to something where they're like, sorry, we have no budget?
3: Sure. So what I always do is first, I am a really big believer that if someone says no to me around getting paid, it's just because they didn't understand me correctly because mm. I'm worth getting paid. So I don't even absorb the energy of, oh, I can't get paid. What I'll do is I'll say, look, let me design something where the value proposition is clear and the fact that you should run me a check is undeniable. <laughs> you know, and so what Amazing. happens is I will go back to them and say, look, I know this is what you asked for. And you were thinking that would be for free. But here's what I actually can do. But here's what it's going to cost. But here's what the ROI is going to look like Mm. after it's done. And isn't that what you actually want? And a lot of times they'll say, look, let's meet in the middle, you know, and honestly, you do this enough and you do it well and you actually deliver and people won't even hit your inbox with free. I literally get emails from people that start with, hey, Nicole, we know you don't do free, but here's what we're working with. And it helps me.
2: (sighs)
1: I I think that's such great advice. I mean, really, it is about negotiation. Mm -hmm. I think running away from an email just because you're like, oh God, I don't want to offend them or whatever is not the the right way to do it. And even like sometimes, even with Crate and Cultivate, it's funny, like, you know, we don't pay speakers, but, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously we offer a lot of value. Mm -hmm. But we've gotten a few people who've said like, I only do paid opportunities and never once am I offended. I'm like, absolutely, girl. And also it may be your season,
3: right? Because like, you know, being transparent, like I always am in all my stuff, like, you know, I went through a divorce, you know, and in my divorce, season, I had no space mentally, emotionally, physically for things that were unpaid just because I didn't have room to worry about the conversion. I needed money, you know, and I also wanted to make sure that if I could only take so many things on my calendar, this is what I could show up to. So don't feel guilty about that. But if you call yourself building a business, you know, and you are saying you don't want to get paid, then what you're building is a hobby.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I also feel like there's been moments where people have come around because they're like, oh, I'm promoting something now or like mm-hmm. whatever. And they were maybe not in that space. I always say like my response to things like this is typically like I'm prioritizing paid opportunities. Right. I love what you're doing. If I if I love what they're doing, I love what you're mm-hmm. doing. I, you know, please keep in mind for anything future that might have some budget attached to it, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I feel like I've always kept good rapport with people. So it hasn't been like some crazy pushback. Absolutely. So people who I think run into this the most are probably influencers. Like, I mean, everyone's like, here's a free... Whatever, Swatch. sure. Like I
3: can't pay you, but here's like a thousand smoothies. Yeah. Okay, thank you, thank you so much. I'm like, just I'll just give San American Express some smoothies. Yes, exactly. Value three hundred dollars. Like
1: totally. And I'm so curious your thoughts on this mm-hmm. part of it because it is kind of an epidemic in the influencer world. Sure,
3: it is, and I think again, you know, what a lot of people forget is that you have to look at yourself as a product, you know, and as a business. Are you making yourself someone who is worthy to get paid? I think a lot of people who may be new to the influencer world, or even if they're well established, but it happened quickly, will think that. Well, I have a lot of followers and that is sufficient that I should be paid this amount. But please be clear, if you're able to speak the language of business, which is why everyone needs mentorship, Jacqueline, you do mentorship. And it's so valuable because it's giving people the guidance on how to sound and behave and look and act like a business. Mm. And that makes you stand out. You, If you come to them and you say, look. I'm talking conversion rate. I'm talking return on investment. I'm talking insights and data that I'm giving back to you. When you talk like that, they know what they're paying for, and it's not just followers. And that can be the difference between an, being an influencer who is micro. You know, like I've always made money as an influencer, even when I didn't have a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. And I'm hardly, I mean, I have a business, like I'm hardly just an influencer. But I've always made money and gotten paid because I speak as a business owner. And too many times people come in there and say, But I've got 2 million followers. Like, why wouldn't you just cut me this check? And they're like, Because none of them are going to buy from me. And you don't run any reporting and you know no demos or any information around these people.
1: Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's like, Who even are those people? Right. Who are they? You don't even know. Who
3: are they? Or like, I mean, I'll always crack up if people are like, Oh, yeah, no, I'll promote them to your
1: people. Like, First and foremost, your people may not be my My people. people, So
3: maybe I don't want that type of promotion. You know what I mean?
1: I love that. So it really comes down to knowing your worth. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. women in particular, being valued is not something that has historically happened in the workplace, as we all know. Studies show that women are typically paid just 84 cents of the dollar, paid to men, even lower for women of color. And a gap that has amounts to nearly $12,000 in lost income per year, which mm-hmm. when you think about that is huge. Especially so over people.
3: five years. I mean, $12,000 is private school. It is, yeah. you know, uh, medical care. There's so many things. I mean, it's a lot of Botox. Like, <laughs> I could think of a lot of things I would do with I that $12,000, I'm like,
1: is it a lot of Botox? Not <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore.
3: <laughs> I the know. prices are up. The prices y'all. are up. <laughs> we are suffering, okay? <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. I saw this hilarious TikTok that was like, it was like me being like, I need to be good and not spend money. And then it's like me seeing my forehead move.
3: Yes, literally. (laughs) And I'm like, I didn't know I had all these expressions. I have so many feelings right now. Is it more therapy or is that Botox is too expensive? Oh,
1: gosh. It is insane. I'm like, how do we lower this? But yes. So according to our survey, 2.5 times more women than men said that they feel a great deal of apprehension about negotiating. And men initiate negotiations about four times as often as women. So why do you think this is? And where do we fall off when it comes to negotiation? So
3: I will tell you why is it? It's because it's systemic, right? Mm-hmm. Like for years and years and years, it's been ingrained in us that we should be paid less and we shouldn't ask or our priorities should be our family, our money, or even in the, like worlds like the nonprofit. Don't you care about the work and not about your own you know, wealth or whatever? Mm-hmm. The truth is, One, don't count other people's pockets. I don't even walk into other situations assuming what people can pay me. I know what I'm worth. Mm. And it is my hope that with my value being made clear that they will run that check accordingly. However, it is very possible that they may not be able to afford me, but someone can, you know, and it doesn't change the work that I do. So I always encourage people when they're going into these negotiation situations to be clear on what you need. You would love this because you're all team investment. You're always helping women, you know, get their coins together to get the most they can get in like their series raises. And you understand that it's about knowing your own numbers. Mm. When I tell you I have clients that come to me and they're working on their pricing for their products and they're literally like, well, I want to charge this because this is what the market will offer. This is what I think I can get well, honey, we ran those numbers. Your business will not exist. Even if you sell out, you are selling so far under the product and your margins are so messed up that even if you are wildly successful, you can't sustain. So imagine that when you're going to these negotiations that you're just trying to feed your babies. You don't want to take a loan from your future because you're uncomfortable charging what you are worth today.
1: And it's so hard to increase a price once you set it.
3: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And think about I mean, when I go and charge things, it's because I say to myself, this is time away from my kids. Mm-hmm. This is to make sure I can pay for private school. This is to make sure I can pay for college. I'm not just charging this willy nilly for whatever. Yeah. I'm charging this money has a direct correlation to quality of life and opportunity for my children. And frankly, especially if you're a woman out there, you're doing it for all of us. You get paid double for the women 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago that have been paid less. That money's still out there in circulation and we still deserve it.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's also a lot that has to be done around um, transparency in pricing because I know for me, my first company I was running was a marketing events agency. My first time running, I was in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. No idea what I was doing. And I was just stoked to have clients. I was like, amazing. Like I can't believe this is happening. Uh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> whatever amount you want right, to pay, right. like handshake deal, just yes. like a nightmare. But I remember, you know, my business was doing really well and I was increasing my retainer amounts. And again, this was like a hundred years ago. So like about inflation. But it was like I was charging three K per month and then it was like five K per month and then between like five and seven K per month. And then I was like, I was like, oh, this is feeling really good. Mm -hmm. And then I met with the girls who would eventually buy my company from small girls. And I remember her being like, yeah, well, you know, our minimum is like 10 K a month. And and we did we did similar things. And I was like, mm hmm. mm -hmm." Mm -hmm. And then I like went back and I was like, I can I don't think I can charge that. She was like, just put it on a proposal. See what happens. Let someone else tell you no. Exactly. Let someone else tell you no. And literally first proposal is like, great. They uh, they won't even flinch.
4: "Ah!" It it drives me crazy because you
3: get that first proposal and they come back and they say yes. They don't even flinch. Not even Like when they come back and they're like, oh, I want to talk about it. Your heart is doing like backflips because you're like, it's about the price. And they're like, so can we just extend this three months? You're like, get out of town. No, it's not even about the money. And I got to tell you, it's amazing to me how often we are fearful about things that are really just manifestations in our mind.
1: Oh, 100 percent. And it's also always a negotiation. Mm -hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of fear around. They're going to say no because this is too expensive. That's good. Yep. And I think it's important. I'm like whatever. Like I always say. Like whatever you think you should charge, just twenty. Add twenty percent. Add twenty percent. Mm-hmm. You're not even close. <laughs> and you can also. And you can also come down.
3: And you're like, you can come down if you want to and you'll feel better about it where it's appropriate, you know, so have your minimum, have your maximum. mm -hmm. And then, like you said, most people end up meeting in the middle, meeting in the middle. And it's totally fine. And again, like having that extra money can guard you for a later day. It's the right thing to do. And one thing I also say that's really helped me a lot with being able to charge the right amounts is I'm so grateful that I can offer scholarships. I can Mm -hmm. offer mentorships. I'm able to help people and do the work that I want to do. And the only way I can do that is if I charge the people who can afford it right properly. So I have clients that are larger corporations that pay, you're not gonna charge PepsiCo the same amount that you're gonna charge a dry cleaner down the street. So when you try because you're also doing more work. So I charge them properly so that I'm able to say, you know what, local mom and pop that's a startup pizzeria, I'm happy to help you with your PL and your your documents and stuff because I can and don't worry about it. You know, and when you get to a certain point, just do the same for others. So if you really want to give back, don't do it right up front in your contracts. Give back on the back end when you have the money in the bank to do so.
1: I love that that so much. Mm -hmm. So going into a negotiation, what are like some tips you have for someone who's nervous, first time worried that they're going to lose this client? Like, what would you say?
3: Sure. So I used to film a show called Elevator Pitch with uh, Mark Randolph and Kim Perel. And we were like the investors. And so this question always came up because people were pitches like Shark Tank. People would come up and they're just like, you can tell who's right and you can tell who's not, right? And one of the first things I always say, which sounds like a no-brainer is know your numbers, but that really does matter because if you have a clear understanding around what you actually need, and you I, I think I've heard you say this a couple of times, people will come in and ask for investments that are literally half of what they actually need. Because they weren't aware of what the actual expenses were to start up their business. And you feel bad because they get it approved. You know, like, sure. But sometimes if it's too low, I'm like, oh, I'm not investing anything because I know they don't know what they're asking. For, 100%. You know? So when
1: you say know your numbers, can you break that down a little bit? Sure, more?
3: absolutely. So have an idea around what you need in terms of human capital. Have an idea around working capital that you have and don't have. Have an idea of your burn rate, right? So how long are you going to get through this money if I give it to you without possibly generating an additional revenue? I also love a couple of projections, you know, so if we do this, we likely can anticipate this amount. Mm. But if this this is my favorite thing I get from anyone who's going to negotiate with me is if something goes wrong. Here's what we anticipate. Now, I got to tell you, it's so scary to think of something going wrong when you're going into any negotiation because you want to go in feeling like you look the best you can. Right. But I love working with people. And like, even if it's like wedding planning, if they're like just letting you know, we have a rain contingency plan. So we're not hoping for rain, but just letting you know, we know how to work in that capacity that will get you signed. Because, and I'll pay a little extra because I know that if something comes up, it's covered. So yeah, I think going into any negotiation, just make sure that you're willing to put it all on the table, that you have a plan for what you're going to do with every dollar, that everything's figured out, that you're worth getting paid what you're getting paid. And you understand that bad things will happen, unexpected things will happen, but you're getting paid accordingly for that
4: too. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: I love that. And then on the flip end, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give? What questions should they ask potential investors? I think that's a good question because I think everyone's ready to get like questions fired at them. But then when you're, you know, kind of sitting there, it's like, you should have questions too. Uh, If you don't have
3: questions, I'm also concerned because, you know, secret plot twist, investors are not necessarily investing in the business, we're investing in the person. Totally. So, you know, one of the things that I think everyone completely misses the mark on is asking for the role of involvement of your investor. So I know that I like to have tabs on my money. There are some companies where it's like, OK, I'll invest and I trust the investor. I know. And or where I'm coming in is late enough in the investment that it's already fairly established mm-hmm. and they just need the revenue, you know. But for a lot of companies that I may be getting in a little on the the front end, like an earlier investment, I really want to know, do you want help because sometimes the guidance, the support, the mentorship is really helpful. So ask that. Say, you know, it'd be great if I got this investment, you know, and here's what we want to do with it. and Here's our contingency plans. But it also would be great if we'd be able to have contact with you once a month, not just for shareholder investment updates, but also to ask questions, you know, and you have a contact. We did our research with such and such company, would you be able to reach out to them to see if we can leverage this for this? Because it would help us do this thing. So, I mean, that right there shows that you're thinking ahead. And honestly, and I think you'll say this in a heartbeat, Jacqueline, sometimes it's so much cheaper, easier, but a higher return for me to make a phone call oh, than it is for me to cut a check.
1: A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So when I guess as a as a founder, if they're looking to give up some equity again, like mm-hmm. the work for free mentality of like, I want to give up some equity for someone. What should they be looking for in a potential advisor? Like what? And Mm -hmm. how do those deals get structured typically? So give up as little as possible. Yeah, (laughs) right. Like when I
3: tell you, I've had people come to me and say like, there was one time where someone was like, we will give up. We just want you on the board. Like we don't even want money and we'll give you all equity stake to just be on the board, which again can make sense if the design is to try to build us a board that looks a certain way to get a higher level of investment in other places. Like we're backed by this group of individuals. But for the most part, when you're this new, which most people are, if you're asking for investor support, you don't want to be so quick in, in shoving off equity, mm-hmm. you know, like because you one, you have no idea where this is going to go. And there's a kind of running joke that I always say is, especially if you're building a business to exit, the first person who wants to buy it, you probably shouldn't sell, right? Because it means you're really getting hot, you know, yeah. like you really <laughs> want to see what you're doing. So all that being said, I always tell people go into it like in a mild mannered way because you also never know if your investor is actually going to do the thing they say they'll do, which is like, Probably I think I mean you've sold businesses, so you've been on both both ends yeah. of the deals. There's nothing worse than when you're thinking, oh, you're gonna be an advisor and then they can't. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah, like yeah, for yeah. whatever reason. Totally. You know? So it's like you gave them this equity to share, but they're not able to show up the way you'd like them to, you know. So one, it's going in there with very clear cut expectations, right? Making sure they can do the thing you're gonna ask them to do. Honestly, looking at their relationships, their leverage, where they can go and where they can support, and seeing how little equity you can give up in order to do it, including running your calculations on how much equity you actually have to give. People make up arbitrary numbers and you're like, you don't even have that money to give away. Like, if you were to give away that type of equity, you would have like no shares of your business yourself, you know, or you would give away so much that you'd lost controlling interest if everything panned out perfectly. Don't do that. Yeah, you know? so,
1: yeah. Understanding valuations and equity and cash is so important. So important. I mean, straight up, there's just like calculators online, you guys. Literally, or just <laughs>
3: or outsource. It. Or outsource it. yeah. yeah bring know? on a team, yeah, I yeah. I tell yeah, people um, all the time that if you are are going to spend any money anywhere in your business no matter what level you are even if you're not looking at investment it's legal and it's finance just like how if there are things that are happening in my home that I know I shouldn't handle it's like my doctor you know like I'm not a professional it's electrical it's my car I am not a professional Outsource it. Yep. You can do things like make your own labels. You can mm. do things like package your own products, you know, but realistically, you're never a lawyer and you're never an accountant. Like, yeah, get someone
1: yeah. else to do it. Even you know? though some days I feel like a lawyer Sometimes and I an accountant. Like and I don't want to be either. I don't I know, want to be either. I know. I'm mm-hmm. like, everyone's like, can you look at this contract? I'm like, I didn't go to law school. I know. I'm like, I'll give it a quick gander and yeah. point out anything glaring. That's yeah. what I always tell them. And exactly. I'm like, this looks bad. I know. Meanwhile, I'm just like redlining. Like, I, know, all the time. I know. Okay. So, question. This is an interesting scenario. So you're working at a corporate job. You're in a certain position. You find out a man in the same position is making more money than you. How do you approach that? Because I think that might happen to a lot of people or even like another one, whatever it is. But like you're doing the same level work and you don't know how to kind of. This
3: literally happened to me. I was working in corporate America. This is my last corporate job that I had before I quit and did my own thing. And I will never forget when someone who was hired underneath me who, you know, I am a black woman who was working in corporate America. I was one of the youngest in my division. And um, this person was hired in. He was like a white male, clean cut, out of Connecticut, you know, Mm. all of that. But I was literally helping him do his work, like because he came in over a year after me. So I had to help him find his bearings, all that. And I, to this day, I cannot remember, because this was like 15 years ago, I cannot remember what happened where I found and saw his salary, but it was probably... I think it was like $20,000, $30,000 more than me annually. Such a gut punch. I was livid because I was like, he is almost making a whole salary Truly. more than me. Like, and it's a type of money that also could have changed my life, changed yeah. my kid's future. And I remember just being livid and sitting there realizing, one, it was my fault because I like I accepted responsibility and ownership because I did not ask for more. Mm. I was so thrilled about I did contest my first offer and I got a little bit more and I just kind of left it at that. Yeah. But I contested it saying, like, can you do better? I didn't contest it saying I need this This much. That was the first mistake I made. I was, you know, 27 at the time. The second thing that I did wrong was when I saw it. And this also is a personality type thing. I was like, oh, F this company. I'm leaving. Mm. You know, it was like it was like a thing in the bucket of I'm out of here. I just saw it as a standpoint of I'm not going to renegotiate this. I'm not going to do anything. But what you've got me now is kind of quiet quitting. Yeah. You know, like but I like to call it homing from work. So what I started doing was I started building myself, you know, saying, okay, what's my exit strategy? And I ended up within a year and a half of that point, quitting to launch my Inherit Learning Company, my own consulting firm. And I quit live online in front of 10,000 people and I was out of there. So, I mean, that was my approach. I will say that for some people, they try to make up the difference at performance review, right? Like they'll go and they'll say, hey, you know, I want to, see this salary adjustment, whatever, but you're limited to between three and eight percent, you know, you'll never make up that gap. Yeah. You know, so maybe it's looking at other jobs. You know, maybe it's looking at a lateral move within your corporation. But odds are, if that's the type of gap you're seeing in your company, it's a fundamental problem at its core, and it will not be rectified while you're still there.
1: Precisely. Like, I think more than anything, it's the emotional damage. Oh, it, it hurts. It's, it's seeing it is. as is, is so hard versus even just being like, I can't believe this and this. It's mm-hmm. more like, oh, I'm so undervalued. I'm so undervalued. And they aren't even coming to the table to me to say, hey, mm-hmm. you should be doing this or that or mm-hmm. asking for that, which is why I think like in most scenarios for jobs, like there needs to be a, a bucket for every job. Well, like and we have to talk about and it and talk about it. Yeah. You know,
3: like I think one of the things that I realized recently that I think has been really interesting is there was a whole conversation that happened between Sherry Shepard mm. and I can't remember one of the hosts of the View, and she mentioned that when she came onto the View, that Rosie O'Donnell was one of the first people who said to her, "Hey, I just want to let you know, this is what we're all getting paid. This is what you should ask for, and these are the benefits we have." And Sherry did the same thing for other people in as they were coming onto the View. So all these women were looking out for each other, saying, mm. "Look, you know, you may be the new girl here, but this is where you should be aiming." And it, you know, one we should be doing this all the time. All the Two, time. This is the nature of women. I yeah. don't care what anyone says. We know how to look out for each other. And we often do. And that can really help. So just being beaten down into that, be silent about your salary. Mm. I mean, private about your salary. You know, yeah, you don't want to get course. in trouble. But yeah, yeah, yeah. silent is important. We have to be sharing what we're making.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about your book. Tell oh, me yes. everything. Nothing yes. is missing a memoir of living boldly. Yes. So,
3: you know, as I mentioned before, I, you know, quit my job live in line in front of 10,000 people. That's and Opened up my consulting firm. But, you know, there's so many business books out there that'll show you, like, set up here and do this and do that. And uh, I wanted to write sort of the book before the book because. As we all know there's the mindset part of it. There mm-hmm. is the what the heck is happening in your actual life. And what was happening in my world was I'd adopted three girls from the side of a Baltimore city street. Wow. at ages 3, 11 and 14. And I was only 28 years old. And I knew that I would need to, you know, do two proms, two graduations, one in college, one in kindergarten all within the next 6 years. And I just frankly didn't make enough money, you Mm -hmm. know. And so I had $24 in the bank and I was like, I've got to figure something out. And that was just sort of the first of a very big, bold decision driven by instant motherhood. And so after that, it was... Okay, well I've quit this job, but now what? You know, like I've I'm helping these people, but what does it look like to build a career? Then it was like, oh, I'm signing up to be on a TV show on a major cable network. What does that look like? And then I was faced with health concerns. You know, my 17-year-old daughter was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. Oh and so she's fortunately fine now, but you know, talking about navigating that while now being a business owner, that was a thing. And a divorce and just Life happens, yeah. you know, and it'll keep on happening. And as you're pursuing your business, whether it's one of those things or all of those things, it's really important to never go back to questioning what I think a lot of us do in corporate and in work, which is, am I good enough? Is, am I in the right place? Am I chasing my purpose? I've really learned that none of those questions matter as long as you focus that you never, ever lack. And if you realize you don't lack, you see your resources and then you're able to move forward. And I talk about that mindset, rooting it and using it to make yourself wildly profitable in this book.
1: Oh my gosh, I can't wait to read it. It's so inspiring. It's absolutely amazing. So, congratulations on that. When is it coming out? So, the book is available for pre sale now,
3: Amazon. Yes, Barnes and Noble, but it will be on shelves everywhere October 10th. Oh,
1: so exciting. (laughs) If you could leave one piece of advice for female entrepreneurs, what would it be? It
3: would be, believe it or not, grant yourself some grace. Mm. Life is hard enough. We're going to hit the hard things and have to get through them. So just be easy on yourself because you're doing the best you can.
1: It's so true. We are so hard on ourselves. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everyone where they can follow you, find you, do all the things? Yes, you can find me everywhere around the internet at Nicole Walters. Nicole, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Party. If you like what you heard, follow, leave a review, rate the pod, or slide into my DMs. Check out our membership program, Insiders, designed for go-getters and game changers like you. Sign up today at createcultivate.com. Follow us at Work Party and at Jacqueline R. Johnson on all platforms. And be sure to head to createcultivate.com to keep up with all the latest events, content, and community designed to help you level up your life and career.